Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. If someone told you that you could land a new job, making more money in 30 days, how interested would you be? This is precisely the offer and what interests me in speaking with career coach and consultant, Gurpreet Mann. Gurpreet, who comes from both a human resource and entrepreneurial background, re-engineered the traditional sales process to help her clients find a career that fits their personal brand. Part of Gurpreet's journey and her focus on building her brand all began when her father died. She started asking deep questions about herself and focusing her efforts on what she could do to make the most impact. Gurpreet began by asking why and letting her authentic personality come out. A critical element in deciding to take the first step with any significant life transition is understanding the timing of when to make that decision and the risk involved. For Gurpreet, she thought through the minimal risk involved in following her own calling, which she spent meaningful time researching and then did not hesitate to seize her opportunity. Please enjoy this emotional and raw conversation with Gurpreet Mann. So Gurpreet, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. I know uh, we'll save our, our off story, uh, our yeah. off comment stories off, <laughs> off video because <laughs> it's, been, it's been a traumatizing last couple of weeks for you. And um, I appreciate you making the time to have this conversation today, which I think my audience is going to really love because as we get into your background, we talk about life transitions. That's been a really focal point, if you will, of this first year of having the podcast. So I think um, your your conversation and your story is really going to resonate with a lot of people. So thank you. Oh, thank you for having me, Paul. So I think the the best place is to start with you kind of talking about your background and especially this transition that you had in your career from going from a corporate HR career into being a business owner. So I'll mm-hmm. I'll let you start from there and 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 take it take it away. Yes, um, big transition, <laughs> but I always knew since I was 16 that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Well, business at the time, I didn't know it was called entrepreneur. My father was a big entrepreneur and um, long story short, I just knew when I was 16 that that's, I want to be in business. I remember my chemistry teacher, I was really good in chemistry and I remember her trying to get me to go into chemistry. I used to tutor my fellow students uh, in my class. That's how good I was. Um, and then she said, you should, you're so good. You should pursue this uh, as your major in university. And I was like, nope, I'm going in business. Like l- l- no hesitation. Long story short, uh, went into, even HR was in my first pick. Um, I have a degree in IT, information technology management. And HR was my plan B while I was in university. Long story short, uh, went into it for my uncle owned businesses, needed help, got into it. And being in fast food restaurants, um, recruitment is the key and retention is like this high turnover. Yeah, ton so of turnover. Fine, turn, tons, right? Tons of uh, turnover in um, in fast food restaurants because you're a you're paying minimum wage and then trying to recruit people to come work for you. You're like constantly recruiting. So when I was working with them, that's when I got the dose of HR recruitment. Um, and then being in food, you have to do health regulation, food regulation, safety, and all that stuff. So it was very challenging, very exciting, and then to motivate 
individuals to retain the staff, like who wants to keep hiring. So that's how I got into HR. It, it, it was challenging. It was fun, never a dull moment. And I was like, you know, this is going to be my career. So went into the corporate world and because I came from a non-traditional HR background, I think that always has been my biggest strength in developing organizations that are more efficient in processes and questioning why are we doing things this way? Why does it have to be this way? And I think that was my biggest strong point in HR was that I I came from a degree program that taught us to be analytical and always questioning why are we doing it this way? Is there a better way to do it? And then streamlining the processes so that business can run smoothly and make more money in terms of profits by streamlining and leveraging technology. And up until 2013, I've worked in HR and working with people. I've come to realize one thing really early in my career was we spend a lot of time at work, eight hours easily. And if you're lucky, it's just eight hours. If you're not, then you're working more than eight hours. And that was me. Even in my early career, I was working more than eight hours. And that's where my pa- that's when I had that haha moment. Imagine going from university to life, maybe working part time to then all of a sudden you're working five days. Eight hours, if you're lucky. In my case, I was working more than eight hours. And quickly, I realized, wow, I'm seeing these guys more than I'm seeing my family. So why aren't we building? Why, sh- why am I not building a culture at work where we are family? We, we should all be safe to say what we want to say um, without the hesitation of, you know, the whole fear. If I open my mouth, I'm going to get fired. We are spending so much time together for five days and 40 hours a week. So that's where the drive and passion for HR started to come from. And then in 2013, I took a break from HR. I finished my last contract and I started helping my dad was venturing out into a couple of different franchises. And I was like, you know what? Take a break from HR. I was at a point in my career where I wanted a break. And got into helping my father with a couple of different business adventures that he was pursuing at the at the time. And when I got involved, that's where I was like, wait, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My my first boss told this till that even today. But at that moment, he always said, he said it even my first when I worked with them in my first HR role. I remember him saying, you are an entrepreneur. You need to get out of here and go be an entrepreneur. You're wasting your time. Like, no, no, no. I'm not wasting my time. I want to work because I want to learn the ins and out of an organization before I do dive into entrepreneur journey. So he knew the minute he met me being his assistant that I was meant to be an entrepreneur. He knew that. And he pushed me a lot to do, go and do it. So I give him full credit as well, because I still talk to him until this day um, to say that he's happy that I finally did it. It would be an understatement because he's more than happy. He's thrilled that I'm, I did dive into 2013. And when I did dive into it uh, with my father be, venturing out to different um, uh, businesses, that's when I was like, yeah, this it's now or never. Like I wanted to do it now is the time. So I did it. And to, to that transition, was it easy? No, <laughs> no, because I'm HR. I don't know anything about sales and marketing, but the learning part I would say has been the most rewarding. Um, as challenging being an entrepreneur and getting your business off the ground, it is. It's also exciting for me. I'm only sharing my experience. For me, it was exciting. It was something new. It was thrilling. I didn't feel that fire for a long time. I didn't I didn't feel the fire even in HR the way I do as an entrepreneur. That fire, that passion, and that constant drive to learn, adapt, and learn new things and try out new things, take the risk. And the biggest thing is you're responsible for yourself. So the transition was 
amazing at the same time yes challenging to learn different things but i would not trade it for anything because i think i've grown a lot being an entrepreneur and i don't think i would have ever grown to the full capacity that i have now if i just stayed in the corporate hr to be honest i think that that last bit is it really resonates for me and i feel that it resonates for me in a lot of different ways especially with the people that i work with at my firm and just friends and family that I interact with. I know a lot of people would love to, um, you know, quit their corporate job and do something that they really have a more interest in. I, I don't like the word use the word passion because I, I think you could, you could have a passion for something that, but that doesn't mean that you should make that your career calling, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's gotta be something that somebody's willing to pay you for to do. Um, it's, it's a conversation I had with Dan Pink uh, a few episodes ago, but what I find interesting is what was, or the question I want to ask you is what was that? Was there a turning point moment that aha moment that said, okay, I'm going to do this now because a lot of people that I find, and even myself, for example, when I started my firm, um, it takes a lot to take that first step because there's the fear of the unknown and, you feel like somewhat of the safety net in your corporate role where in today's world, any of us could get let go at any point in time. Yeah. Um, so, but people are afraid to really take that first step. So what was it for you, Gurpreet, that, that helped you take that first step? I would say, uh, which I forgot to highlight, I always had a side hustle, even working full time. My first entrepreneur journey actually started from 2007. Um, running a side hustle, artificial Indian jewelry, selling that. Diving into it full-time came from, I finished my contract. And that last role I worked in, in the corporate world, I was working more than eight hours a day. I was the sole HR for my location. And I'm, I was wearing so many different hats. And doing so many different things because I was one person taking care of the entire location. Um, and, and a lot of people don't realize how much work HR is. And then also paperwork. There's a lot of paperwork in HR. Um, and you can't run away from it because everything is about documentation. So I was working more than eight hours uh, a day. And what that gave me, all my jobs actually worked more than eight hours a day. Uh, but that last moment last role it just clicked to me like when I finished the contract my boss eventually reached out to me to come back again for another three months and I said no either hire me full-time or don't otherwise I'm not coming back but what I realized was boy if I can work 12 plus hours for a company that's just giving me salary I can do it for myself and it wasn't even about like I can, uh, sure, if I can work 12 hours for, if I can work 12 hours for someone else, why can't I work for myself? And in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur anyways. So that moment with my dad, when he bought the, he bought a travel franchise and he bought UPS franchise, but I got involved in the travel. Working with him, first aspect was just that I'm just going to do it because I'm in between jobs. But when I started to work with him and to get that travel franchise off the ground, to me, that's when I had my haha moment was, wait, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I'm 33. I don't, I'm not married. I'm single. I don't have kids. I don't have a husband. I don't, I'm not responsible <laughs> for anybody except for me. So this is the time to do it, right? Uh, for me, that was my ha moment. I'm not responsible for any other human being other than myself. So if I venture out and doesn't work out it's just me involved right it gets yeah. it does get harder uh for people that are married and they have a partner and then kids so and the mortgage and the stuff i didn't have any of that so i was like now or never so that's where my haha moment happened and i also had the attitude was what's the worst i will fail I'll go back to working, right? That corporate job is not going anywhere. But this venture is either now or it's going to get harder if I did end up getting like 
have, getting married and kids, right? So that whole haha moment was I'm single. I'm only responsible for myself. Now is the time to take the risk because at least if it doesn't work out, it's just me. I'm not, I'm not responsible for another human being. So that was my haha moment. And I'm glad I did it. And I never looked back. Was it easy? No. Uh, did I right away had clients? No, it was a lot of learning, a lot of how to sell. Sales is one thing I would say I had to learn bang on. And sales isn't what I've learned from my sales coach is that sales is helping. Um, And we've never been taught. I still have it on my sticky note. She made us write it. Uh, to everyone that hires her as their coach, she makes you write sales is helping and selling is helping. But traditionally speaking, we've been taught sales to sell in terms of sell, right? But we mm-hmm. haven't taught it in a way to diagnose a problem. Here's a problem. Here's your pain point. Here's where you want to get. And I'm the solution to your problem. And so sales is something I had to learn. Um, branding, marketing, I, I got into i started watching shark tank <laughs> i got i just started watching a lot of business people shark tank i sort of i learned a lot from shark tank i tell everybody it, you don't even have to be an entrepreneur i think you can learn so much from shark tank yeah i would agree that's a very uh, uh interesting show yeah really really great inspiring show but you can just learn so much so i started watching shark tank i started following entrepreneurs um, and then I started di- reading books on uh, sales, marketing, branding, and and that's where I would say that a lot of the pieces. It took time. I can't say I hated networking, um, but I had no choice. I had to step out of my comfort zone, and I hated public speaking. Believe it or not, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my entrepreneur journey because I was not. I like to be behind the scenes. Um, but in the entrepreneur journey, if you, you're behind the scenes, someone else will take the credit for your work. And it has happened to me multiple times that I had to wake up and realize that I can't be behind the scenes because people buy from people. And if I keep staying behind the scenes, other people would take credit for my work, which is not a pleasant experience. Um, so I would say for me, it's been a rewarding experience because I've, had to get very, very, very uncomfortable with a lot of different things that I was not comfortable doing. And one of them was speaking and, and putting myself out there. So I would say for anything else, that's what has been the most rewarding for me. Cause when I reflect back on where I came from and where I am today, I can't see I'm the same person. So let's, Let's now that we kind of have a really good backdrop of, of your story and, and this life transition that you've gone through, let's dig into a little bit about the business that you're actually in today, which is um, career coaching. Can you explain a little bit about what you do and, and, and what career coaching means to you? Because that's a, that's a term that gets thrown out there you know, often and, and there's varying degrees of, of what that means and, and people that call them a career co- call themselves a career coach, what they do versus what other people do or don't do. Yes. So I run actually two businesses. Uh, one is career coaching. Um, so my actually I have two businesses. One is called HR Superhero, which is HR consulting for small, medium sized businesses. Along with that was doing career coaching because I'm in HR. People used to reach out to me. In the pandemic, it really took off. Uh, last year, really took off to end up to the point where it had to be its own business. That's how much it took off to like coaching was something like a, a second service under one company. But in the pandemic, it took off to the point where it was time for it to be its own entity. So that's where uh, GKM Coaching became to be this year. In the beginning of this year, we launched it as two separate businesses. And career coaching, traditionally speaking, a lot of people don't really know what career coaching is. Some people do, a lot of majority, I would say, don't know. Career coaching is, it can be many different things to different people. But for me, it, it's it's been more of 
showing people what their true talents are and how to then go sell yourself to companies to align with your self-worth. You don't want to go and work for any company. You also want to be in the right role that is aligned with your purpose, whatever that purpose that you want to accomplish, what's your passion, and then knowing your worth because companies are making profits. And this is the HR I mean talking. And that's the difference between me and many career coaches is that I work in HR. I've been working in it for 15 plus years, still work in it to tell you that companies are profiting from your brain. And your biggest selling future is your brain. It isn't your experience. It's not your credentials. It's not your past success. It's your brain, what your brain is capable of doing. And that's where the missing piece is for me too, being in the corporate world, not knowing how to sell. And when I actually learned selling the right way, it's when I had the haha moment where, oh my God, if I did this as a career professional, who knows where I could have been? Not that I'm not saying that my career wasn't successful. I think I could have been a lot more further along the way probably faster, still would say fast. Uh, I did grow my career a little bit faster than any traditional people because within three years I'm in a manager role. Uh, But if I really apply what I learned as an entrepreneur, branding, uh, marketing myself and selling, I think I would have skyrocketed to a whole different level in my career. And that element is what I bring into the coaching is forget, delete everything you've been taught about career in terms of job searching or your career or how to grow your career because what we've never been taught I know I haven't been taught in all my years of career professional even in university we've never been taught to think of ourselves as an asset to a company because we are an asset to an organization companies need talent in order to grow there's no business out there that is successful without talent They need talent. Businesses need talent to make money. Businesses need talent to make profits. That's why we get hired and they're benefiting from our brains. So we've never been taught in terms to sell ourselves in a benefit. Like we, I am a benefit to you because here's how much money you're going to make from me. And also ROI. And biggest thing we've never been taught. And now we're starting to see a little bit is branding. Why are we branding ourselves? There's a market for everybody. So what I teach people is I don't work with average. If you want to be average, no problem. I'm not the coach for you. But if you don't want to be average and you want to be top-notch in your field and you want to attract the top-notch companies that are willing to pay your price, guess what? Then you hire me because I will show you how to do that. And there are companies, the biggest misconception and biggest myth out there is that Companies determine your worth and you should never give out salary information or never discuss salary. That's the wrong piece of advice that we've been grilled in our brains for years after years. No, no, no. You should know your worth. You should tell the company straight up what you're looking for in terms of salary because it shows confidence. It shows that you know your worth and you're not going to take a penny less. Why should you take a penny less? Because guess what? The reality is we're going to be working more than eight hours a day. <laughs> That's right. One of the, so one of the things funny? One of the things that I found really interesting in doing you know, my background work on, on you, and I, I think... Um, um, Mimi Bishop and uh, Jackie Gradow um, yeah. was, was our was our special link. Yeah, from I think I had them on on episode thirty seven or thirty eight. I'll link in the show notes. But when I started looking at your background, one of the things that really stood out to me was this whole idea of yours around personal brand. Now, full disclosure, I've had a terrific career mentor. Her name is Camille Jane, and and until I saw you. Camille was the only person that I've seen in my career that said, what is your, or asked, what is your personal brand and really helped develop, you know, who you are as a person um, and what your brand is. So Mm -hmm. talk to me about what that, like how you got onto that and, and how you work with, with your clients on their personal brand, I guess, start with 
What does that mean, personal brand? Yeah. Good question. I was going to say a lot of people don't even know what it means and people are also teaching it incorrectly. So for me, <clears throat> I would say my biggest shift in branding actually did happen. Uh, full disclosure, what did I know 100% what branding was? No. Um, learning it as an entrepreneur, sure, knowledge was there. But I would say that my biggest moment in my brand making breakthrough happened when my dad died in um, September 2018. My father died and my whole life changed in a sense that <clears throat> I started to ask myself hard questions. What do I want my life to be? Do I want to continue living the way I've been living? Or when I die, who's going to get up there and say anything about me? And in the social media platform world that we all live in, what are people going to say about me when I die? Um, and that, that's where I would say I, that's where my journey with brand building really started. I was building my brand short, but it didn't really start uh, authentically didn't start until that moment. So my dad's funeral, I had all these people I've never met share stories about my dad that I even know existed. And that's when the deeper I started to dig into to purpose of life, that's where I realized I no longer wanted to be just running around and, and just working my life off. I was running couple of different businesses and I said no I don't want that um, I want my life to mean something I don't want just work I want to build I want make an impact in this world and what kind of impact I want that's where my whole life moment shifted is where I was able to have this hard reality conversation that many of us run away from is that we don't want to talk about death because we think we're going to live forever. But the truth is we're not. And my prime example, I've lost a lot of loved ones in a short period of time, like back to back. And my dad was like the tipping icing bird before, before my dad died, I lost a couple of cousins, uncles, like a lot of deaths. Um, but I would say the biggest shift didn't happen until my dad died. And that really got me thinking on a deeper level was that I want to leave this world by making an impact. I don't want to just work and make money. I want to make an impact. And also, I also didn't want to just talk on... I just didn't want to be fake in my content. Uh, I was writing content on LinkedIn, being an entrepreneur, uh, building my brand. But I quickly realized that I want people to see everything about me, uh, my work experiences. Being in HR, I've seen it all. I've seen the good stuff. I've seen the bad stuff. I've seen great managers also act like toxic people, made people cry. Why aren't I sharing those stories? Why aren't I am not talking on that? Because being an entrepreneur, we are so caught up and it will happen to everybody when we start putting ourselves out there, we kind of want to show one side and we all want to talk about the good, but we never get in the heart of the real stuff. And that's where my moment happened. I was like, no, I'm going to talk on everything because the reality is I've seen everything. I've seen sexual harassment. I've seen bullying. I've seen people get into physical fight. I've seen CEOs of great companies come down and make employees cry. I've seen all the good stuff too. So that's where my moment happened. And I think personal branding definition is, is, is for me, it's more than just what people say about you. It's more about what you want. What do you want? What do you want your life to be? And what do you want to project? Do you just want to show one aspect of you or do you want to be real? So for me, personal branding is all about being real, being you, being your authentic self and owning it and not being afraid to show it and project it because there is so much power in that alone. When you own and claim who you are and you own every experience you've been through, good or bad, 
and you're not afraid to have the difficult conversation that we need to have even in the workplaces, you're willing to put that out there, even on a platform like LinkedIn, that is branding. That's branding. So along those lines, what are, what are some of the tactics or strategies, if you will, that you work with your clients on in how they maybe go about specifically building or identifying, laying out, if you will, their personal brand? Um, the strategies I've been implementing and what I teach others is simple. Just keep it simple. You need to, you need to get very clear on your why first, why you want to do it, right? And it can't be the driving force behind building yourself as a brand cannot be money. It cannot be followers. It can't be how many people like your content. It can't be how many people are commenting. Remove that piece out of it. Because I would say that the reason I've been able to build a brand around me successfully was because I didn't focus on that stuff. I didn't focus on followers. I didn't focus on how many people like my content. I didn't focus on like how many people follow me. I didn't focus on money. I didn't focus on the materialistic things. I focused on impact. I want to make an impact. I want to share my knowledge. I want to also keep it real. Being in nature, I have, I'm in a privileged spot to really make an impact. So that's how I tell people, if you want to really build your brand, then you have to do it with a why and the why should never be followers. And you don't, you don't do it because you want to be an influencer. Let's put in the terms that, that we all recognize influencers. Um, you don't do it because you want to be an influencer. Have I been called an influencer? Yes. And every time I have, I feel weird when someone says it because that's not my goal. My goal isn't, I want to be an influencer. Do I want to share stories because I've been gone through hell and back in my own personal life. And, and I want to share those to give other people hope that, you know, you're not in it alone. Mental health, I've been in an abusive marriage. So those personal branding is also about sharing some personal aspect of your life. It can't just be work, 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 right? So keeping it real, keep it simple, but be genuine and be real. And don't automatically dismiss the, the heart of your content by downplaying it to turn it into what I see a lot of people doing is they'll start to share a little bit personal information, but they right away want to look like they're the hero and, and leave out the emotions and the, the, the pitfall of a situation or depression. You went through it. People tend to leave those emotions out because they quickly want to show that they came out of it and they, they're the hero. And that's where I say, no, you don't, want to be a motivational you don't write a post to just say one little timbit then you want to be a motivational don't be a motivational speaker don't be an influencer but get part of the real raw emotion if you're gonna build your personal brand then you have to be willing to get raw with the emotions because we're human beings i am not afraid to talk about the couple times i had an episode where i thought of yeah, killing myself. And I did it. Did I do it right away? No. At the beginning of the this year, I cried on my own LinkedIn live where I had one of my coaches be a guest and we started talking about self-worth and I was battling with that. I'm not afraid to talk on the real, uh, real emotions and I'm not afraid to cry in front of people, but that's what makes me real. And that's what your brand should be. It should be real. It should be you. Is everyone going to like you? No, I've been bullied too on LinkedIn. Uh, not everyone's going to like what you're saying. Not everyone's going to hate you either. And the beauty in being building your a personal brand that's real and simple and raw is that you will attract the right people and you will remove the ones that are not aligned with you and your who you stand for. So never be afraid to put yourself out there in a real 100% you, the authentic self that you are. That's how you build a brand. Do you find when, when you're having these initial conversations with the people that you're working with, um, obviously 
it requires a lot of deep, deep thought. Um, do people find that, yeah, I know with a lot of people I work with, especially like that are, have families, have kids or parents, you know, it's hard to step back from life for, it seems like seconds, but minutes or hours to give yourself that grace and time that you probably need to be able to really think about these things? Yeah. Um, I tell people you have to make time for you. Even if you have kids. The thing is, you can't build your personal brand if you don't know who you are. And the only way to know who you are is to spend me time alone without family, without friends, without kids. And you have to allocate that time. And you got to, if it means you need to schedule it in, then you schedule it in. And for me, it's a little bit easy in the sense that I don't have kids and I don't have, I'm not married, I'm single. But that's where I can say that I forced myself uh, after having gone through a, tra- uh, a horrifying traumatic marriage experience that led me to to want to spend me time alone and love myself first and and enjoy my own company. I've spent a lot alone time to 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 talk on this and say the real essence of building yourself as a brand does require to fully get to know who you are. And you have to be able to ask these real questions. And if it means that you wake up an hour early before everybody else does, then you do that. I love waking up early when no one's up and just sit in that silence. And in the summertime, I love it when you can see the sun come up, sunrise, and compared to wintertime because sun doesn't rise until 730, <laughs> 7.40 right now in the fall. And just having that cup of coffee just by myself. Um, I had to move in with my mom and my brother after my dad died, but I, I've learned to tweak my schedule where I do get that alone time where no one's up and it's just me. Uh, all of us have our different schedules, uh, but you have to find that me time, I would say every single day. And meditation has really amplified uh, that for me. And I recommend when I work with clients, I recommend meditation as a daily practice, not something you do once and you never do it again, um, but it building that into your daily routine. So building a routine that also is just you spending time by yourself and it can be into meditation. Um, you can, you'll be surprised how many, how alone time you can actually find ways to spend. It can just be even when you're in the shower by yourself, um, driving by yourself. Like you don't have to legitly carve out. There's no way you can carve out a meantime if you've never done it. So baby steps, take that five minute break by yourself, 10 minute break. Um, when you're taking a shower, ask yourself, that's still a meantime, right? Sure, you're taking a shower, but it's still a meantime. Um, you're still by yourself. Any moment that you find by yourself, you should give yourself the permission to to look inside you. I think a lot of times we are so scared to to be with our thoughts that we constantly keep ourselves busy so that we don't have to be with our thoughts. So I would say if you really want to build your brand, then you're going to have to be willing to spend time with your thoughts. <laughs> And I think that's that's a challenge for most people because even no matter what situation you're in in life, whether you're single or married, kids, no kids, I think there's a there's a certain fear sometimes I think that people have to overcome to make that time for themselves. Um, that's the one thing I really noticed in following your work is how authentic you are. And one of the last topics I wanted to re- talk about was one of the things that you talk about on LinkedIn and, and, and on your website is the, the quick results that you want people to achieve, like finding their ideal role in 30 days. Where does that come from? And how, how can people get to that level in that short a period of time? So that whole 30-day concept being uh, land your dream job in 30 days or land a job actually started with land a job in 30 days. It started in 2019 when I really started to dive into this whole career coaching and I started doing workshops. 
And I started paying attention on LinkedIn and how many people were out of a job or searching for a job. Six months have gone by, four months, six months, eight months, and so on. And I started doing research on it. And on average, it was taking people six months to land a job. And why? Because people were just using basic strategy, which was, let me apply to jobs online. And then when it came to networking, it was the networking piece was being taught wrong. Um, Basically, networking was, oh, you need you're looking for a job, start reaching out to people on LinkedIn, start connecting, ask for information on interviews, ask people to refer you for positions and the companies you want to work for. So a lot of things were being taught wrong. And that's why people were struggling. It was the approach. You don't need to, you don't need to be searching for a job for six months. You can be in a new job in 30 days if you really want to. And why I can say that was I looked back on me. Imagine, imagine if it took you 30 days or six months to land one client, you'd be out of a business. Right. That's a great point. I started to look at me, me, right? Like how, how do I get clients? So it came down to sales process. And that's where I was like, oh, okay. The reason people are failing is because there's, they're not, they don't have a strategy. You're not treating it like a sales process. You need to ha- generate leads. So uh, creating a lead generator. And then in sales, we learn about um, sales funnel, marketing funnel, awareness, engage, and nurture, and close. So I took that concept and I turned it into a job search method. Uh, you need to create a funnel if you want to land a job in 30 days, which by the way, is so doable. That's where the whole process, that whole journey of mine <coughs> with launching my program, land a, land a job in 30 days came from. And I started getting people into jobs in 30 days, legitimately. And was it easy? No, I, you, you've got to make a commitment. If you're willing to do exactly what I tell you to do, you will be. And that's when I, I launched it. Was I was I was scared like no tomorrow. Um, but when people started to enroll, one or two people. First time I ran it, I only had two people. The second time I ran it, I had seven eight people. And the the more, but I kept the pricing low. The more people started enrolling, the more I started working with people and starting getting people into jobs in thirty days. The more confident I got into my process and fine tuning it. And that's where it started from that yeah you can and i've proven it that you can land a job in 30 days the biggest thing is you're landing a job in 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 what you want it's your passion and you're also getting paid your worth i've successfully now helped people even go from making 38k salary to 76,000 dollars a year i've taken uh, an individual from 52k to landing 128k salary within 35 days um so the journey's been great it's been a great experience but the undercover thing is and that's where comes down to career coaching is you don't have to struggle in your career and the whole notion the thing i don't like on linkedin is and i still see those posts have patience it will be your time. You just have to keep working hard in your job search and just have patience. Don't give up. Like those words are nice. They sound great, but in practical theory, bullshit. Why, yeah. should, why should you <clears throat> sit there? Like, I don't know anybody. That's like going back to my uh, religion class in high school where the teacher told us a story about a man that was on a boat and person came to help him. He's like, nope, God's going to come help me, right? And then second person came and third person, he kept saying, no, no. He physically wanted God to come and help him without which he failed to see was God sent him help. And then he drowned and died, right? So that's what I look at the story when I see these posts. It's like, no, sure. That's like, wish you can wish and pray, but if you don't take action, I love what Tony Robertson said in one of his um, talks was, the reason people fail, 99% of people fail is because they don't execute, execution. That There's a reason why only 1% of people in this world is successful. If you take the whole population in this world, they, uh, he said, 
Wolfgang estimate is that there's only 1% of people that are successful. What makes 1% people successful and the rest of them is the ability to take action, to take execution. Anyone can learn. We can all learn. We have internet. We can all learn. But the execution is where it matters, right? And the career coaches, if you get the right coach, um, can help you speed up those results. So can you learn a job in 30 days? Yes. Pandemic, I didn't call it land a job in 30 days. You got to go with the times too. So I removed the 30 day and I just called it land your dream job. But mag- I wouldn't say magically, but people were still landing jobs in 30 days, um, even in the pandemic. So what I learned during the pandemic was that it wasn't about the, the time we're living in. It can be recession. It can be bad. That goes with every, any any situation. In, in every situation, or even during the recession, we'll see some companies, some industries go down, another just merges up. And that's what happened in the pandemic. We've seen so many, like where restaurants industry went down, travel, but we saw a whole spurge happen in the online burst. Zoom, boom, boomed, overnight became in demand. Amazon couldn't keep up with their, uh, their deliveries because they... Not that they weren't big, but in Canada, they amplified because you can't go anywhere, right? You're on a lockdown. So people were online. Online space boomed. And that's where I was trying to educate people was where one goes down, there's another. There's always a balance. But if you, too bad that the media was too focused on the negativity about pandemic and just talking about jobs lost, nobody was talking about the jobs that were created. There was tons of jobs that were created. There was tons of industries that started booming. Overnight, some some fields and some industries became in demand, but nobody was talking about that. And everybody was in this fear that, no, 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 you can't land a job. Let me stay where I am. But slowly, slowly, people, some people took that risk and were willing to shift roles or, hey, join my program. And I also increased my prices in pandemic. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good business move <laughs> uh, which was i don't know where i got the guts to do it but when i reflect back at it was the best business move because yeah i increased my coaching prices and people still took it people were getting results full disclaimer your results what people fail to understand is your your results are driven by you not by a coach coach is there to give you strategies methods and approach and execution but coach is not going to do the work for you. you. You have to do the work. If you're willing to do the work, you will get the results, right? So that's the difference between a coach and just doing it by yourself. I'm not here to say you can't do it by yourself. But if you're willing to learn and you're willing to have the patience and time and you're not focused on, well, I want to get it here fast, fine sure uh, trial and error right it, it, that's how you learn on your own is trial and error the coach can save you the trial and error period and get you there faster if that's what you want so in the end of the day can you land a job in 30 days that's a big yes and that's not me bullshitting that's not me trying to scam people uh, on full disclosure i also tell people when they get on the call with me if you have one percent ounce of doubt, don't take, don't hire me. I don't want to work with you. But that's that's my motto. I will work with you if you fully 100% trust me. But even 1%, you don't trust me, don't, don't sign up. And people are always taken back by that. I'm like, no, I'm all about energy. Our energy's got to vibe. Our energy's got to mesh. You have to 100% have the trust in the coach you're hiring. If you don't have 100% trust and even 1% doubt, you're bringing that energy into the when you sign up to the to for me to be your coach that one percent doubt is always going to outshine the 99 percent of the the trust you have that one percent you're always going to act from there and you're always going to object to what i'm saying and that's where the friction happens so i tell people if you have even one percent doubt in me don't hire me well, Grapri, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, a lot of, I think, very tactical and useful um, strategies that people can to, can walk away with and implement. 
So I want to get to my closing question, um, which typically I ask all my guests, what is the best thing about being a parent? But as we know, you, you don't have any, you're, you're not a parent at, at this point in time in your life. I'm a dog mom. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let, me, let me pivot that question a bit. And because of your love of entrepreneurship, what is the best thing about being an entrepreneur? Hmm. For me, it's just learning how to run a business, how to get it off the ground. Um, that's, that's what's been rewarding for me is building something on my own. I, can, I could have taken any of my dad's businesses if I wanted to, but I didn't. I wanted something on my own. I wanted to do it on my own merit. I didn't take a penny from my dad. I didn't take any of his businesses. Nope. I wanted something of my own. And for me, that's been the most rewarding for entrepreneur for me is to be able to build something from scratch. That is just me. It's my stamp on it. I didn't inherit anything. I didn't go buy a franchise. I built my entire business from scratch and that's been the most rewarding. And for me, it's my first love. I will fully claim that being an entrepreneur, I, I love it. I can be consumed by 24-7. I love helping other entrepreneurs get their business off the ground. And it's why I launched a new program in my coaching business is helping entrepreneurs conquer LinkedIn. Uh, I just love business and I love helping other business owners create multiple revenue stream, just like I did for my business. So that alone for me is rewarding just to learn and figure things out. Well, that is a um, very fitting way to, to wrap up our conversation. And um, for those of you that may be interested in working with uh, Grapreet, we'll make sure that um, we'll put links to your um, LinkedIn page um, and bio uh, in our show notes and your website as well. Um, but Gurpreet, I can't thank you, thank you enough for being on, on the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast and definitely looking forward to more conversations to come. Thank you, Paul, for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Thank you.